Good evening, Emmanuel. Uh, welcome to my podcast, Be Happy, Healthy and Wealthy. It's really a pleasure to have you here because I think my audience will be so interested to know what you have to say about the, you know, the essence of being happy, healthy and wealthy. So, Emmanuel, so tell my audience a bit more about yourself. Well, where would you like me to start? I can start from the very early ages. So I grew up. Yeah, if you if you don't mind. So a lot of my, uh, you know, people that I interview, they talk sometimes even from beginning what happened. Sure. Well, I, I grew up uh, in what you would call for the UK, quite a poor family by comparison. Uh, my father worked in an abattoir. My mother worked as a dinner lady. Uh, and I grew up with hand-me-down clothes. Um, I didn't really understand that we were poor until I went to secondary school, because all the other kids around me were the same. So when I went to secondary school uh, and I saw other children and how they lived and what they wore and what their parents drove, I realized that we were quite poor. Um, I left school at the age of 16 without any qualifications. I worked on a building site as a heating and ventilating engineer. And I gradually over the years learned different skills, trained myself, went on different seminars to improve my financial IQ mm. uh, and to learn how to create uh, wealth and abundance. So that's what I've done over a very long period of time. I'm at the grand old age of 61. So I've done quite a lot during that period of time. Mm. So I, I know a bit more about obviously you. I've read your you know bios and all sorts of things that you've been doing. So would you say that you are mainly into property investing and uh, what, what else do you do? Uh, so I do quite a lot of varied stuff. So over the last 30 years, I've been very heavily into property investing and property development. Uh, but prior to that, I had a very large mortgage company and money management consultancy. And during that business, we helped people get rid of all their debt, including their mortgage, saving between one and seven years off their mortgage term, anywhere between £25,000 and £50,000 worth of interest without increasing any of their monthly payments. So I've done quite a bit over the period of time. I've done a few different careers. They've all been linked in one way or another towards either property or finance. Uh, the other passion of, my, of mine is sport and fitness. Uh, and I've done sport and fitness ever since I can remember. I started off simple things like um, fencing, then went to judo, then went to karate, then into boxing, football, weight training, uh, various different sports over that sort of period of time, including sort of kickboxing. So I've always kept myself fit and active. It's one of the activities that I like to do. Uh, and then uh, relationships. There's different relationships that we have. There's relationships with ourselves. There's a relationship with others. And there's a relationship with our significant other, other whoever that might be. And over the years, uh, I've made mistakes with other people. And I've learned ways to make your relationships far better um, far happier and far more balanced. Oh, wow. So it's this wealth of knowledge from your experiences, isn't it? You know, so uh, yeah, I, I would like to dig deep a bit more about, um, you know, so you went into properties because obviously your job to start with as being a heating engineer. Uh, what what made you decide to go into development? So it's, it's pro probably better to, to step back a few years. So uh, I was in, uh, in in property as a heating and ventilating engineer. I then went into selling central heating because that was the next step. Uh, from there, 
I went to designing and selling bedroom furniture for a company called Sharts Bedrooms, a lot of people may know of. And when I was at Sharts Bedrooms, they offered me a franchise. I took the franchise. I was the most successful franchise they had. Um, and in fact, it was so successful, they decided they wanted to take it back. Uh, so after a 10-year period of having the franchise, um, I started looking at other products and property seemed like a good product in terms of having a product, not having to supply customers in fitting furniture and having something to build uh, a pension. So I started to get into that. And while I was doing that, um, I got approached by um, somebody in financial services that was looking to start a mortgage arm from a company coming over from Australia. And that mortgage was a completely new concept to the UK. Until that time, all mortgages in the UK were calculated annually in arrears. What that meant was any of your mortgage payments that you made were not accounted for against your balance until the end of the financial year. So even if you made any additional payments, it wasn't taken into account. Now, that might not seem like a very big thing, but when they changed it from annual interest to daily interest, and the lender that came over also had linked to the mortgage a current account called a current account mortgage, I was instrumental in changing how all mortgages were calculated in the UK. That company was called First Active Mortgages, and today that mortgage company is called Virgin Money. Oh, wow. That's very interesting, isn't it? So you sold your business. Yeah, so I I, I moved from the, the franchise business furniture into the mortgage business, and I created one of the largest mortgage consultancy companies, the money management consultancies, and that's where I wrote my book, as well, which I'll come to afterwards. And it's really to help people understand debt and eliminate debt. Most people don't understand money. Mm. Most people don't understand debt, and they certainly don't understand mortgages. Uh, and how to get that noose around your neck, off your neck as quickly as possible. So I had a mission to to educate people as best as I could to allow them to get rid of all their debt, including their mortgage, without having to earn any more money. Wow, wow. So from all these years, where did you get that mindset? Because obviously, you know, you grew up with your family influence and you saw other people having more than you. So where do you get this desire and where do you get this knowledge, you know, about money mindset? So I think there's two two triggers that were for me. So the first trigger was my teacher at the end of the year, head of year, telling me I'd be a failure all of my life. So uh, as I say, formal education will earn you a living, self-education will earn you a fortune. So I didn't take on that mindset. I'd use that as a driver to propel me forward. The other part, was really um, not wanting to be poor like my parents. Uh, we were very happy as children, but at seeing what other people, I didn't want to be poor. I wanted to create something that gave me my long-term. So my focus originally was about having, just creating a pension. So I started my own journey embarking on education, self-education. I uh, started off with CDs or CDs, uh, tape recorders then, I think, cassette <laughs> uh, tapes. Uh, then it went into things like CDs. Um, and then I started investing in books uh, and seminars. And I've been to um, or trained by some of the best trainers in the world over the last sort of 30 years. And uh, I see that as an investment in myself and my education and raising my financial IQ, helping me understand my mindset. And they're saying, you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't know what you don't know, what don't you know? And most yeah. of us don't know a lot. That's right. Yeah. 
And uh, with regards to that, who, who, if you don't mind telling us, who are these trainers that you've learned from? So I've learned from quite a few over the years. I've learned from people like Tony Robbins, which you might have heard of. Yes. Peter Kasaki, Keith Cunningham, T. Harvecker, um, Brian Tracy, all of the ones that you would have heard in the self-development space in one shape or form. I've either been trained uh, through them uh, or their courses uh, to help me grow, to become a better version. And in addition to those, I've also done lots of um, training in property seminars, uh, as tra- uh, public speaking, lots of those different things to make sure that I'm a better version of myself. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing that journey now. So I've got a long way to look forward to be as successful as you, you know. Um, with regards to obviously what you're doing now, money mindset obviously is it's the foundation. Now, the most important thing is actually taking action. So how do you get yourself motivated to take the action? Good question. I'm just motivated. I, I strive towards possibilities. If I see something in front of me, I just want to learn it, understand it, go for it. So I, I'm self-motivating that. You know, when you when you come from humble beginnings, it doesn't take much to motivate you. I'm grateful every day for everything I have in my life. I know what it's like not to have anything. I did do a program not so long ago called Rich House, Poor House, mm. uh, where we swapped houses. Uh, and again, that was mainly for my children, but also for me to go back to where I started for and appreciate everything that uh, not only have I worked for, but everything that I've achieved, not just through my efforts, but for other people, partners, help, education to get me to where I am. So gratitude plays a, a very big part in my daily life. Wow. Wow. It's like you you are telling me all the, you know, all the, uh, what do you call that? Tick boxes. It's like, oh yeah, in mindset, do you tick the box? Gratitude motivation, action. So it's like you heard about it and you go ahead and do it. It's like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just a do it guy, isn't it? So so gratitude is quite simple when you understand the principle. So if you're grateful for what you have now, whatever you have going forward, if it's better, you can only be better. Mm. But most people aren't grateful for what they have. They Mm. compare either to where they think they should be or they compare themselves to other people and when you make comparisons to either where you think you should be or other people you will often be dissatisfied and not happy yes of course yeah but how do you drive a a balance between drive like the drive in your life to be successful and contentment how do you strike that balance well I'm pretty content already Um, I don't live a lavish lifestyle part of my book is about contentment that you don't have to keep up with the Joneses. You don't, have, you know, most people when they earn more money, just have a bigger car, a bigger house, better holidays. They just buy more expensive crap or shit, as they say. Uh, so so when, when you simplify what you actually have, it's actually very easy to, to be balanced if you're not always pushing yourself. That doesn't mean I don't need to push myself or want to push myself. It means I don't have to push myself. So mm. it keeps pretty balanced. When I was much younger, I did work, I'd say harder, but not smarter. So you Mm -hmm. learn as you get older to work smarter and not necessarily quite as hard and you get better results by using your brain rather than your energy. Mm -hmm. So so obviously you are on this journey, you are well ahead of a lot of people. So for somebody who is starting their journey, 
how would you say would be your advice to get their first few steps onto getting more wealth? Like, you know, doing a bit more smarter things. So I'll give them the same lessons that I learned. So when I wanted my journey, what did I do? I didn't go to a financial advisor because financial advisors, just like the bank manager, work for an insurance company or for commission selling products or services to somebody else. So find somebody to start with that you really admire, respect, that's really successful in any area of life that you want to be, whether it be your finances, whether it be health or relationships. Ask them what they do, how they do it, and the order that they do it, and you'll get a template. Success does leave clues. And people that are good in one area are quite happy to share how they've actually got there. So the first part is find somebody that really can help you. Second part is raise your either financial IQ, your health IQ, or your relationship IQ. Most of us aren't taught at school about relationships. Mm. Most of us in school are not taught about money, about finance, about wealth uh, or debt. And certainly very few people in school are taught about the importance of health other than going to a PE lesson Mm. and what that means to you overall. So nutrition, health, all the things that you need to learn at school aren't you're not taught at school and the and our school system isn't designed for our current century that school system was designed over 100 years ago mm, that's right so if you look if you look at communication 100 years ago it wasn't a mobile phone mm. so the, everything that we have in the modern world is designed for the modern world except for education that's right yeah right with with regards to you know what you've just mentioned so how do we, do we improve our financial IQ? What would be your advice? So I, I read a couple of books to start with that motivated me. And one of the great books, besides my book, by the way, a really great book uh, was the, the concept of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. It made you understand how wealth is created between an employee being self-employed, between being a business owner and being an investor. And when you understand those principles, how you can move from one sector to the other, you understand how wealth is created. Now, for most people, especially in the modern world, they want to get rich quickly. To some people that works, but for most people it doesn't. So Mm. to accumulate wealth is the compound effect takes time. You have to invest early, even small amounts, and over time that will accumulate to significant amounts. In fact, Albert Einstein said the eighth wonder of the world is the compound effect, the compound <laughs> effect of interest. So mm-hmm. once you understand what that compound effect is, and you know, the, the the formula of compounding is so powerful. So if you just had a pound that doubled in value every day, and if you said to the average person, I'll give you a million pounds today or one pound that doubles in value every day for the next 30 days, most people would take the million pounds. If you invested one pound and it doubled every day for the next 30 days, it would be worth millions. Mm. That's the difference of the compound effect. The difference is so far. And the compound effect doesn't just isn't your finances. The compound effect is your health. The compound mm. effect is your relationships. In any area where you have a compound effect, where you can have an incremental increase on a daily basis basis over a long period of time that has a significant impact from where you started to where you end up. Great, great. I mean, when when I went to a lot of this, uh, you know, money meetings and mindset teaching, 
they always mention about this template about how you put aside money for different things, for pleasures, investment and everything. So in in your own you know, doing, I understand you've got a lot more money now that comes in every month. Let's say years ago, you've got this amount that comes in. What would be your percentage of assignment? Let's say this is to for pleasure. This one is to invest. This one is to, you know, uh, bills. That's a good question, but let me answer it in a slightly different way first. Yeah. So they say wealthy people spend money as if they earn half of what they do. Poor people spend money as if they earn double what they do. Mm. So that's a mindset to start with. So in terms of asset allocation, again, I've written that in my book as well, The Six Steps to Financial Freedom. It mm. talks about how you allocate your finances, one to do with debt. Mm. So debt could be a mortgage or it could be your rent. And then secondly, what you spend on other areas and investment. So I typically say you should be investing 5 to 10% of your income in yourself. That's in your education, in your health. That's money that you invest in yourself. You're the, you're the, you know, you are the key investment. If you don't invest in yourself, nobody else will. Right. And if you keep investing in yourself, you increase your value. You increase your value in the marketplace. You increase your value across all areas of your life. So you have to invest in yourself. Then typically you should have at least 20% for short-term investment and long-term investment. So short-term is for emergencies, things that might happen. The other part would be for long-term investments like pensions, bonds that take time, that allow the compound effect to take effect, gives you the time. The, the, the truth is most people don't start early enough. If people started investing in their early 20s, by the time they were 50, they would be millionaires. In fact, I'll, I'll prove it to you. The average income in the UK, household income, is around about 20,000, or it was 20,000, it's about 30,000 now. So if you take 30,000 over a 40 year work career, that's 1.2 million. So it's not mm. how much money that you earn, it's how much money you keep and how much money you save. Mm. Most people don't take a long term view, they take a short term. And because they take a short term view and they say, well, if I invest money today, it's only going to grow by a small amount. They don't do it. And before they know it, they're in the 50s or 60s. They've have made no provisions. They haven't invested in themselves or their mm. future. And that's why they don't have money for the long term. Mm. Wow. Okay. That's asset allocation. I've forgotten that phrase. Thank you for <laughs> reminding me. <laughs> right. The, the next question is, Emmanuel, it's about relationship. I can see you're very passionate about relationship. And you mentioned that, you know, in the past you make some mistakes and you've learned from it. So what 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 would be advice to improve someone's relationship IQ? What would be your, you know, like how many steps to this successful relationship? So I'm going to give you, you the same advice that was given to me a long time ago. And I didn't understand it until it really meant something. So I'll try and explain it the best way I can. Hmm. They said, if you want there to be no end to your relationship, do all, all the things throughout your relationship and there'll be no end to your relationship. And what that means is when you first meet somebody, that excitement, all the things that you do with the texting and the calling and the flowers and the communication and the laughter and the going out, that's all the time when you have the, 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 the love drug going on, the stupid drug that's the, called the love drug. The first two years 
of a relationship when you're courting. Most people forget the courting aspect, the excitement, building that up on a regular basis, creating those new things together on a consistent basis. If you do that all the way through your relationship, there will be no end to your relationship. And I didn't understand that. And most people don't teach us that of how you nurture your relationships. That's one aspect. The other aspect is communication. Hmm. Communication is key. Hmm. And with most people, there's a saying, kill the monster while it's tiny. Hmm. You have something that's flaring up, deal with it there and then before it escalates. Hmm. Never go to bed angry. Never go to bed without communicating and clearing the air. Oh, wow. So there's small things that you need to do on a regular and consistent basis, just like you would water a flower or you you nurture your field so it grows the crops. Mm. If you don't nurture and you don't feed and you don't look after your relationship, that will wither and die as well. Mm. So just like your bank account, if you put money in your bank and you take, you keep withdrawing, eventually there'll be nothing to withdraw. That's right. If you don't keep depositing and depositing in your relationship the same. If you just keep taking from a relationship, you don't give and you don't deposit, eventually there'll be nothing to take from it. So th- th- those are easy concepts to understand and to implement is just as easy. Hmm. So yeah, it's communi- not that easy though. Well, communication is. Yeah, people have to learn. It's it's easier said than done. But, I mean, once they have the drive, they have the willpower to do it. I think if they, you know, just as anyone, if they want to do something and they are determined, I'm sure they will put in the effort. So I think the first one is appreciating and understanding relationship is the most important thing in life, really. You know. So- a lot of people get into relationships and they're in the wrong relationship with the wrong person. Mm. And that's because they don't know themselves. Mm. And also the other person quite often wants to change the person. They find somebody that they like, but they're not quite right. And they try and get them to fit the mold. Um. So part of the things that I've learned in a very healthy relationship is both people in the relationship have to be who they are not to change who they are. So your your partner needs to allow you to grow and flourish and become an even better version of who you are and vice versa. Mm. You stop being who you are. You stop laughing. You stop communicating. Mm. That's when the relationship starts to suffer. Mm. Right, okay. So throughout your own life, so is this what you've learned then, you know, because you mentioned that you've been through some some stuff yourself. Yeah. Is that the key stuff you you kind of learn? So I did learn. I said good experience comes from bad experience. Good judgment comes from bad judgment. So I am divorced. I was divorced. And that's because I didn't know all the things I know now to apply into my relationship. I mm. also didn't know myself fully at a younger age. And I probably got married younger than I should have done. So not understanding myself, not understanding about relationships, or how to navigate through difficult times, because most mm. you know, most of us are not taught about relationships and the ups and downs of relationship, how to navigate through it. So I've learned going through a difficult period, which it very well was, mm. and understanding, and I'm probably, and not probably, I'm definitely 
in the best relationship of my life with somebody that I love dearly. Um, we have the most amazing relationship, laughter. We can both be who we are. And that that has only been for me to be allowed to understand that and recognise that and be grateful for that mm. through those other relationships that didn't work out for me. Wow. So what do you think you've done that has changed this second relationship in a sense that contributed to the success of this second relationship? Well... Friendship, number one. Communication, number two. Allowing the person to be who they truly are and let them expand as their relationship. Doing things together. People that play together, stay together. Mm. So uh, Sharon and I do lot, almost everything together. Uh, we have lots of fun together. Um, we're honest with each other. There are no secrets. Uh, we kill the monster while it's tiny. But at the same time, I show appreciation and so does she every single day. Mm. Wake up during the day when we go to bed. It's just tapping in and just saying, I love you or a nice message on a consistent basis. Wow. Water the relationship. Feed the relationship. Yeah. So when you say communication, what do you mean by communication? Well, communication is, is a big topic, but one is just listening. Listening. So men and women have different speaking and word ratios. Mm. So, so when a woman asks a man a question, he can answer it in a couple of words or a small sentence. A woman will often need more than that to explain it in different ways. That's right. And nine times out of ten, a woman doesn't want you to use your male brain and resolve the situation. They just want to tell you what's happened. And most people don't realise if a woman wants help, she will ask you for help and advice. But until that point is, don't offer help and advice, just acknowledge and recognise they're sharing with you. So we get into our, main, we get into our man brain. <laughs> yes. At the same time, women don't appreciate that men don't want to talk that much. When we say what we want to say, that's it. We've said it. We don't need to elaborate upon it. So having the ability to communicate and laugh about our differences is really important. So where do you learn all this stuff? I've spent my life learning stuff like this about communication. So communication is not just with your partner. It's about mm. everybody that you interact with. Mm. So learning communications, human behavior. Um, I've also learned skills like NLP. Mm. I've read some great books like Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, mm. and then some principles. But the principles, here's the thing. If you read something and it makes sense and you don't apply it, you might as well not have read it. Mm. Uh, and somebody that I know quite well also says, to know it and not to do it is not to know it. Yes, yes. I don't so, can't remember who said that, but I, I remember that. I think that's Rob Moore. Rob Moore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And I love phrases and expressions because it hits a point that most people can understand. If you if you learn something, you don't apply it, you might as well not have learned it. That's right. So, yes, going back to, obviously, I can see that you've read a lot. You've kind of learned behaviours, uh, behavioural uh, philosophy and, uh, you know, ethos. So with regards to NLP... So why did you go down to to this path of learning and putting all this effort in NLP? What what is the drive? What is the reason? 
So, so NLP, for most people that don't know what NLP, it's Neuro Linguistic Programming. It's basically how we take on information and how we interpret interpret information based on our own learning style. So when you're communicating, whether it be with a man or woman or a child, we all have different ways that we interpret information. So communication, uh, if most people don't know, the words that I'm using right now represent 7% of how we communicate. My tonality, the way I use my voice, so it can mm. go up or down, sideways, how I use my voice represents 38%, but also my body language, my facial expressions, my eyes, my movement, that represents uh, another significant amount, which is 55%. So you've got 93% of non-verbal communications communication. Mm. So that's the external communication. Mm. However, as you and I are talking or people are listening, they will have an internal voice going at the same time of what does this mean to me? Do I like him? Do I like Irene? Does it make sense? Can I use this? Is this mm. loaded nonsense? They'll have this internal voice. And the internal voice can be positive and it can be negative. That's mm -hmm. why you have people that are depressed. The communication with themselves internally is negative. Mm -hmm. So the people that have phobias, their internal reference, their internal voice, their internal pictures that they create are negative pictures. So NLP is a set of tools that allow you, one, to understand how you communicate with yourself mm. as well as others. Mm. Because when I talk, there's also a voice going in my head at the same time, right? When I mm. hear somebody else talk, I'm interpreting it myself as well. Mm. And your brain can play tricks with, on you often. Your brain doesn't know the difference between fiction and reality. Mm. If I said to you now, don't think of a pink elephant, you're thinking of a pink elephant. That's right because your brain can't think the difference between the two. So it's really important that you understand the power of your mind and your communication with yourself and others. So I spent a long time understanding communication with myself mm. and well as others. And also to, you know, when you're in sales, it's really important you understand your communication with your client, your customer, your prospect. And lots of people don't understand why a, a customer won't purchase when it's an ideal product or service for them. So understanding how somebody might be thinking or what they're thinking, because uh, people don't always tell you what they think and people no. don't always do what they say. So having the ability to be able to communicate effectively and efficiently. Uh, and, you know, we all know the, the, the magic when you ask a woman and you ask her how she says fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, she's not fine, but, you know, other things are not quite so obvious. No. Most people, they communicate with you. Yeah, women is like this. So we are like, you know, we'll say, yeah, it's like, are you all right today? Or they will ask, you know, husband will ask all these different questions. And quite often we we don't tell the truth. We actually hide things and wishing that the husband will ask more. But actually, sometimes we, we say the opposite so that we get the attention. But actually, deep down, we want the attention, but we kind of like, you know, say the opposites, but that's that's the paradoxical of communication in women that I've learned yeah. over the years. You know, so wouldn't it be a simple concept if women just told men exactly what they wanted to say? See, the problem with our brain is we want more attention. In, in a sense, that I, I I I I know why you you asked that question. 
but I've actually analyzed myself and I realized I, I was like that. You know, I was like that. So I said to, to my husband, oh yeah, no, no problem. But actually I had problems. And actually deep inside me, I wanted him to pay attention, to look after me, even though I had a bad day at, at work. I just said to him, oh yeah, it's fine. You know, yeah, it's okay. But then I actually crave attention from him so that he'll ask me more and do things for me. But then I didn't say it out. It was inside me. And then after a while, I get grumpy. And I was like, mm, he didn't love me. You know, he didn't really care. He didn't even ask me more things. And, uh, you know, I felt as if I'm not listened to and he should have paid more attention to me and actually find out why I, you know, I'm not happy. But I say I was happy. I say I was fine, you know, but... I, I knew that because I've been to like marriage courses, I've been to like, you know, read a lot of books on relationship and I realized that was my blunder. That was my fault. It's not my husband's fault. It's just me wanting the attention but not telling him. So from then on, I've kind of changed my communication. So I've just, I'm very direct now. You get better results? Yeah, but now it's him now. <laughs> <laughs> so it seemed that it's obviously sometimes doing the, you know, not talking much, you know, being grumpy and not saying, you know, if it's not happy. I think, I think for you, because when you say that, don't let the anger, you know, stay overnight or, or you know, resolve it that very night. You see, the, the, the problem with certain men, I mean, I've, I've read some books on, some men just, they, they, they like to, like a tiger, they hide away. So they, they get angry. I know I'm somebody who likes to resolve things and I'll just talk, talk, talk. But my, I know my husband, he doesn't like it. He was just angry and he'll go away. He'll hide in his cave. Okay? Yes, so hiding in the cave is fine. But if you have pre-agreed rules and principles that you agree with, he can go to his cave for one or two hours. But before you go to bed, you resolve it. So men do need their cave and it's a period of time and you can stipulate what that period of time is, but you can still agree a principle that you still won't go to bed uh, without resolving the matter or putting it to one side. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with men is that sometimes they, they have their own style and they don't like to change. For me, I'm like that. I like to resolve on the day because I know, you know, do not let anger, you know, stay around even uh, I can't remember the face. Yeah, just like what you say, not to leave it to sunset, you know. So mm -hmm. I try to resolve it and get my husband to come out from his cave. Um, and then I'll just resolve it by saying sorry and stuff. Because for me, I, I just find, you know, no reason to be resentful, to remember grudges. Because in, in a year's time, you're not going to remember these small issues. Correct. You, you you choose your battle. You look at the implication, you know. So this a lot of the arguments they are they are mainly small minor things. The next day or a week later, you're not going to remember it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So for me, I just go straight and then sort him like the you know the anger out or whatever this disagreement or you know certain things that upset him. So yeah, we'll just sort it out that way because you know that's how relationship can improve and get strengthened.
Another bit of great advice that was given to me was, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? Ah, wow. I like that. <laughs> do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? But unfortunately, a lot of people want to be right. So you, ha you have to choose between being right or being happy. I'd rather be happy than be right. So That's you good. make compromises. And I said, if you have this open communication dialogue at the outset, it doesn't cause an issue. All relationships have disagreements or difference mm. of opinions. It's how you communicate that, how you discuss it, how you respectfully navigate around it. Mm. If you have that as a common focus and goal, and ultimately, you will end up there. Wow, wow. So I, I really admire what you've done, you know. Obviously, I can see all those nice photos you have with Sharon. You know, you are really have, having the best time of your life, you know, really enjoying holidays here. It's nice adventures together. And I think that is amazing because obviously you, you have uh, enough of wealth to allow you to do whatever you want now. Well, here's the thing. What we do doesn't take money. Is it? It takes attention. Ah, it takes time and attention. So, so, so our wealth is our relationship. Ah. During lockdown, we did exactly the same things in the park, in the house, in the garden, because it's a state of mind, a state of being, a state mm -hmm. of relationship. So people yeah. think you have to. And when we travel... Our travel is very inexpensive. Uh, you know, my, my book is all about simplifying your life and making savings. So I have to live up to my own book. Like I just can't go out lavishly spending stuff because that's not who I am as a character. Um, that's not my upbringing. So most of the things that I do is to show people how to live a great life at a very low cost. Wow. Not okay. Advice. So tell me a bit more about, uh, so you're coming out with the, a new book, but how many books have you written? So this will be my second proper book. Yeah. In terms of a, 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 a long book. The first book, as I said, was called The Six Steps of Financial Freedom. Oh. That was endorsed by people like Brian Tracy, who you might yeah. have heard of, and the late Bill Bartman, who was USA billionaire entrepreneur of the year twice. So yeah. Uh, that was all about helping people understand and getting out of debt. Mm. The second book is Wealth Beyond Money. Mm. Because in Western society, we tend to measure wealth with money. Mm. But the truth is, wealth is a combination of your health, your relationships, and money. If you don't have any health, the money and your relationships aren't as aren't as important you're, you're, you're you know steve jobs would give away all of his money and he said that in his de in the deathbed for another week month that's right his health mm. your relationships if you have money and you have nobody to share it with or relate it can be pretty lonely mm. so and money if you don't have money to nurture your relationships to help with your health then you're out of balance so the book's all about creating balance across all areas of your life. Mm. So if you can imagine a, a scale, if you're out of balance and one area will suffer compared to the other. Mm. So the book is all about giving you principles and tips and tricks of how to nurture and be better in each one of those areas. Wow. Well, I'm looking forward to that book, Emmanuel. So when you're launching, 
Sorry. I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to launching it too. We're just in the last part of the redrafting of it. Uh, Julie and I have been working on it um, a lot over the last few days with the last redrafting uh, to get it to where we want it to be. Wow, yes, I heard about it. So please include me in your launch, okay? I want to be part of the party, you know, to get my my hand on the book when it's launched, it's okay? And uh, yeah, Emmanuel, the other thing I quite admire about you is your your crave actually your obsession with health because i can see that everything you talk about you've you kind of realize that you know health is wealth just like what you've mentioned but you you really put a lot of attention into it and i can see sharon is also in the same journey you know you're together on this so tell me a bit more why what is i know you mentioned that from young you are already doing a lot of activities and exercises Okay, but you you are more than that. You spend hours in the gym, you know. So what motivate you to go down this journey? So as I said, I've always been involved in sport in one shape or form. So being healthy, uh, looking after myself has always, always been quite important. However, as we get old, or there's a saying that says, until the age of 40, your body takes care of you. From the age of 40 onwards, you have to take care of your body. So I have been taking care of my body in lots of different aspects with nutrition, with exercise. And you know, my, both my parents, uh, they, they when they passed away, they weren't very strong. They weren't very fit. And if you look at nursing homes or hospitals, mm. nine times out of ten, you see the people in the hospital beds are old and frail. Yeah. So I made it a pledge to myself. Although I'll get old, I wouldn't get frail and I'd be as strong and as fit as I was in my 20s and my 30s. Wow. Because you can maintain your physicality and your strength by regularly working out, by your nutrition, by your supplements, and just looking after yourself. So we all get old, but you don't have to become older. Mm. So my and for my 60th birthday, uh, I, I made a promise to myself that I would be within the top 5% of the world at my age I did a photo shoot. I was probably in the top two or three percent, uh-huh. um, and I was in the best shape of my life. I actually, my, my physique looked better than I was in my in my early twenties. Wow. Um, and I wanted to prove a point. It doesn't matter what age you are, if you put enough time, effort, energy, and focus, you, you can achieve what you wanted to. Uh, and I did two photo shoots: one for myself, and one of my with Sharon and, and myself because I wanted to mark that uh, as a as a very special occasion so tell me your routine Emmanuel I have a pretty simple routine so I get up most mornings between six and seven I'm normally at the gym for seven o'clock after I've had my first coffee and I'll work out between um, seven and nine sometimes nine thirty and when I finish my workout I will typically go into the steam room um or sauna, should I say, not steam room, for 15 to 20 minutes. Mm. I'll then go in a nice bath between three and five minutes. So again, now I've added that to my exercise routine. I've been listening to uh, a guy called Andrew Huberman, who's head of Harvard and science, uh, and he yeah, does Harvard. a lot of stuff yeah. on health and nutrition. That's right. And as, you get, and as you get older, in terms of preventing stroke and other things that uh, hit people of my age, um, We've talked about the optimum, which is between around about 50 minutes a week in a sauna over the course of a week, between right. 11 and 15 minutes in a nice bath. So I've been doing that 
on a regular basis. So I'm in the gym, I said Monday to Friday from around about seven till nine, nine thirty on the weekend, either a Saturday or a Sunday, normally a Saturday. Um, that's my long session. Uh, I do probably three hours uh, on a Saturday between eight and 11. Mm. Uh, and that's my exercise regime on a regular basis. I then start work uh, between 9.30 and 10 o'clock. And that will be either meeting, Zooms, going to different sites, webinars, um, doing some coaching, helping people with their projects. So a whole range of things during the course of the day. Wow. So what sort of coaching do you do? So most of the stuff I do is around money management. I help people uh, look at their finances, look at their businesses, restructure uh, their loans, their debts, either either around finance or property or business. Oh, wow. And do, do you work under your name or is that a company that you kind no, of... I work all, work all under my name. It's all from word of mouth. As I said, I've been in this industry for a long time. People know that what I do today, I had a, an, another call uh, to do with a developer that needs to exit a scheme. Um, it's been pretty hectic for them in terms of navigate and they, they, didn't, they couldn't figure a way how to refinance away from the lender. And I've come up with a solution uh, for them that allows them to exit uh, without being scathed. Wow. Wow. So that's your coaching side. So obviously, yeah, your your schedule is full on, isn't it? Do you mind if I ask you, what do you do in the gym? So again, I have a routine. So every day is a different body part. Okay. So Monday is back. Tuesday, which is today's chest. Wednesday is legs. Thursday is shoulders. Friday, because it's coming up to the weekend, is biceps and triceps. And I do... Uh, uh, and I work out um, probably three to five times a week and I do some stretching two to three times a week. Uh, on a Saturday, it's the whole body top to bottom, um, just probably one exercise, each body part. Uh, so that's my exercise routine. And then I do walking between 15 and 20,000 steps, whether it be at the gym or outside, uh, just because that helps you burn calories. Mm. Again, most people think you need to do a lot of cardio to burn calories it's actually the opposite mm. oh wow oh i like that routine so when you're doing those different parts so you, you're carrying weights or you know what, what you're in the gym or you have your own gym at home no no i go to the david lloyd every morning uh, oh. people here often hear me on, on clubhouse in the morning mm. uh, where i'm actually working out so yeah it's always with weights uh, and weights are really important the as you get older it's really important you use weights to stress your muscle to That's make right. sure you stay strong. Strength is really important as you get older. That's right, yeah. Because no, naturally you will lose muscle mass. So you need to maintain that to obviously keep a good, you know, health. Also, you want to prevent falls. Correct. Yeah. Exactly what so, you want to do. Yeah. The the other thing I wanted to ask you, you mentioned about uh, supplements. So what sort of supplements do you take? I take lots of supplements depending on the time of the year. So one of the things I take is vitamin D. Mm. Now we've got the sunshine, I don't need to take it. So I take, you probably can't see it from there. Mm. But I take about, um, this is 4,000 RU. And mm. I take between four and 10 of those on a daily basis. Then you've had NAD or 
NMN, which again, you probably can't see. I can't see. see. If you put it in front of you, maybe, because I think you are. What I'll do is I'll, I'll change the, the, the preferences of the screen share to make it none. And then you can see. So one is NMN. Mm. So what does it do? So NMN is a precursor um, to NAD. And what it actually does, it tries to reverse or help you stay as youthful as possible. Mm. So it's it's a supplement. It's been around for a little while. So NMN stands for nicomadine. Mm. I can't even say it. Monoscular, which is a naturally reoccurring compound found in the body. And it's involved in various biological processes, particularly the production of a molecule called NAD, NAD. So that's really the supplement. It produces energy production, mm. anti-aging effects, uh, metabolic health, and also in terms of um, exercise and performance. It helps you in all of those different areas. And it's been under research for quite some time. I said I've been following two of the leading experts on this. I said Andrew Huberman and um, another scientist, I can't remember offhand, They've been using it for quite some time and it has shown some dramatic um, effects in terms of reducing or reversing aging. Yes. Oh, wow. So the other white one that uh, I didn't, I couldn't see it. Which one was it? Well, there's two. You got vitamin D. Yeah, I saw that one. The other one? So NAD and MNN are similar uh, sort of supplement. supplements. But there's others that I use. So as males get older, the testosterone reduces. Mm -hmm. So I use another one called Tomgat Ali. Yeah. And another one called Ashwagandha. Yeah. Wow. So these are all herbal supplements. And occasionally I use Lion's Mane as well. So Oh, all yes. Lion's Mane. That's good. So they're Lion's all Mane is good stuff. In, in that area um, to keep yourself healthy, strong. Uh, and give you all the things that you have when you were younger that you don't naturally produce as you become older. Wow. What about diets? You know, do you have a particular diet? I know you're quite keen on protein, isn't it? Again, I have a very simple diet. So I typically don't eat um, between eight o'clock at night and around about 12 o'clock the next day. Mm. Uh, I do that Monday to Friday sometimes. It's a fasting, isn't it? Yeah. So. The reason why they call it breakfast, you're breaking a fast. But if you go to bed on a full stomach, you wake up and then have breakfast, you're not exactly breaking any fast. Mm. So for the body to actually have time to not be working, typically you need 14 to 16 hours to allow the body. So you can still have tea, coffee, water. But in terms of eating, uh, I normally have that as a window. Uh, however, if I am hungry, I will eat. Mm. So, so the days where I feel hungry, so I listen to my body. Mm. If I'm hungry, I'll, I'll, I'll feel it. So I don't exercise with any with, without eating. I always exercise without eating for lots of reasons. Uh, the body then uses its natural energy. So if you've got excess weight, it, it uses the supplies and the reserves that it actually needs. And then also by then having a window of between 12 and 8 o'clock, I've got a much smaller window to eat. So it just trains you to have the right sort of nutrition that you actually want. And then my diet is, as you would expect, pretty healthy. It's normally greens, salads, uh, chicken, fish, meat, uh, very little carbohydrate because your vegetables already give you carbohydrates, which most people don't realize. 
So I try and get my nutrition. If I'm feeling, you know, a little bit hungry, I will have things like porridge. Mm. I will have fruit. I sweeten my food with natural things. You probably sound boring like, like cinnamon, but your your, your body get, gets craving to whatever you put in it. So if you put crap in it, like sugar, it will have a craving towards it. But mm. our bodies are made up of 70% water. The planet is made up of 70% water. So your body and the planet both need a huge amount of water. So the water that I put in, not just water that I drink, the foods that I have are also high water content because that's mm. what the body needs. Wow, that's lovely. I also don't ex I also don't eat before I exercise because I do intermittent fasting as well. I tend to eat a bit more protein. I don't really eat carbs. So I, you know, like most people, um, most people actually do pasta, you know, all sorts of carb, bread in the morning, cereal. I, I don't eat any of those because I don't go hungry. Actually, no. in the daytime, just like you, when you're doing those kind of diet, you don't feel hungry. And I always tell my patient that as well. So, I mean, for them, they find it hard. But I told them once you go through the induction and you get used to it, sooner or later, you're so used to it, you, you're not going to feel hungry. Isn't it? Do you feel hungry? No, I don't feel hungry at all. Yeah, I agree with you because you're on on those, you know, protein diet, less carb. You're just running on, uh, you know, more of protein and fats. So your carb is very little. So you'll feel, because those people who are mainly on carb, they run on carb and carb gets depleted every three to four hours. And then they get their hunger pants, which is there to remind them to eat because the carb is low. But we're not, we're not dependent on carbs. So we've got access to fat and burn metabolized fat all the time, which is great. Do you do longer fasts? Because as you know, with autophagia and some of the longer fasts, they say that they're very good because it actually helps recycle some of your cells. So I do do longer fasts uh, and I try and keep them within the Jewish calendar because we really have fasts within our calendar that last 25 or 26 hours. So we do that three or four times a year anyway. Uh, I have been looking at extending the fast to maybe two days, but for what I, for my own body, um, the 25-hour the fast is probably the longest that I want to go by, by listening to my own body. I don't have a lot of excess fat to burn. Um, you don't so, have, yeah. <laughs> so, so just for me, everything's about maintenance now. Mm, that's good. I mean, were you were you in this beautiful physique when you were younger? I've, or you have to craft it, like, you know, do something quite extreme to get this? No, I've been in pretty good shape most of my life. But the last couple of years, I've just tweaked it a little bit. Uh, and the results are, are quite dramatic. I didn't understand until recently. I took myself a a, a body transformation coach because I wanted to re reach a certain goal. And they showed me and helped me understand the correlation and the importance between the carbohydrate, the protein and the essential fats. Mm. and the macros so once i understood that significance uh and also how much i can eat because i do eat a lot uh by having the things that i like it doesn't it doesn't feel that i'm missing out on anything whereas most people have a diet and diets never work that's why you know dieting is like dying you just add a tea on the end 
So by changing your eating habits and understanding about your food and not missing out. So most of my food is things like salads and stir fries and having it very crunchy. Mm. Uh, There's a lot of it. Mm. So what tricks the brain into thinking you're eating a lot? Mm. It's very nutritious. Mm. Thirdly, it's high high water content. Mm. So, So that way you don't feel you're missing out on anything. And I certainly don't. Wow. I think you are a very disciplined person. I think so. Well, whether you're disciplined, if you whether you're disciplined in your business or your health, your relationships. So they say, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. That's right. Uh, I tend to apply the same principles to my health, my relationships, my business, because they're mm. all important to me. But if something's important to you, you'll focus on it. If it's not important to you, you won't. So I try and apply the same principles. I do apply the same principles in all the areas. Uh, and that's one of the reasons for writing the book as well. I think yeah. I've now understood that balance, how to achieve it. You know, you, you go through a journey, you see what works, you see what doesn't work, you learn from others, and you put something together that hopefully other people can really understand and implement and not have to go through the same journey that you did. They can accelerate their journey. Wow, wow. I love that. Because I can see a lot of the writers, quite often the reason why they write a book is because they have found a lot of gems and they want to tell the, the story, you know, just like what you've mentioned, you know, so that people can avoid the pitfalls, avoid the failures, avoid the mistakes, because you've been through it. You don't want other people to go through the same thing. Now, backing on to that, what, um, I mean, have you ever experienced failure? I don't think there's any successful person in the world that's never experienced failure. So yes, I've experienced failure in lots of areas, in my health, in my relationships and in my business. So I don't think anybody can say that they haven't experienced failure that's been successful. So relationship, definitely, I got divorced. That is a failure, you know, in terms of my health. Uh, In my late thirties, I had pneumonia so badly, I was literally a few hours from slipping away completely. I was in hospital for six weeks. I couldn't even walk three steps unaided. I coughed so much. I broke my ribs. Mm. So did health become important to me at that point? Sure did. Mm. So although I was fit, so I was still fit, I was overworking. I was unbalanced. I was putting more time into work than I was into my health and to my relationship. So did they suffer? Yes. And in terms of uh, work, I've had businesses um, that haven't gone quite so well. I've had developments that haven't gone quite as well as planned or they've lost money. I don't think any person that's been in business will say that they haven't had a failure somewhere along the line. So what what have you done to help you to rebound, like, like to get back up again? So, again, another comment that was given to me a long time ago that said, if once there was no problem and now there is a problem, at some point there'll be no problem. Everything takes time. And life is a journey, just like your heartbeat. It doesn't go in one straight line. It goes up and down. So nothing lasts for a while, for a long time. And all things are results. If you look at things as results, so if you look at football teams or you look at sports teams, they, they, don't, they, they may lose a game, but it's a result because next week they can change the result. Mm. Understanding that I have the ability to change the result next time gives me the focus or the vision or, or 
to be able to say, you know what, next time around I can change. What do I learn from this experience? What mm. do I what did the universe want me to learn from this particular episode? Because the universe will keep repeating the lesson until you understand it. Yes. So what, what have I learned from this experience? What am I supposed to have learned from this to make me better, make me stronger, make me fitter, make me more humble? What is this experience teaching me? What do I need to learn from this? Wow. Yeah, what is the lesson? Wow. Now, Emmanuel, now, what have you have you ever considered or put, like decided a particular thing is the biggest challenge you have that you found that, oh my goodness, this is like life-changing. It is could be devastating, but you managed to overcome it. Have you ever had this kind of experience before? Like having the biggest challenge in your life? Well, the biggest challenge of my life was when I was very ill. The pneumonia? Pneumonia, yeah. So I was off work, I said, for six or eight weeks. Um, that was a big challenge for me uh, in lots of different areas. I didn't. I certainly didn't like being in hospital. I certainly did not like working. Um, and I realised that if I didn't make changes to my life, that I probably won't continue because I was too focused on business. Mm. My businesses were doing very well, but I was focusing all my time, effort and energy in that area. Mm. My relationships and my health were suffering because of it. Wow. So yeah, that was a big realisation for me in terms of having to make adjustments and changing what I do. Right, okay. Now, a lot of uh, money mindset people always advise, yeah, do a vision board or, you know, have these pictures, have this mantra. Do you do any of those? Sure I do. So... Unless you, again, your brain doesn't know the difference between fiction and reality. So you, you start putting images in front of you. So these way for me to explain how the brain works. Um, do you drive a car? Yes. Okay. So the car that you drive, I guarantee you, the day after you bought that car, you notice more of those cars on the road than you did the day before. That's right. And that's the same for everybody, because it wasn't important to you until that point. So at the back of your head, you have a rectangular activation system that's designed to keep everything away from you that's not important for your health and your survival. Anything that's help that's helpful to your health and your survival and important to you, your brain will look at that and bring it into you. Things that you didn't see before now become there. So once you understand how your brain works and you start putting things in front of it, your brain will start finding ways to bring those things to you directly or indirectly. Yeah. So having a vision board of the things that you want in your life, whether it be health relationships, it doesn't have to be material things. It can be mm. more than just material things. I think in the Western world, we tend to focus a lot on material things, but there's lots of things in life that will make us way happier than just material possessions. Because normally when you find you've got a material possession, when you have it, you go, ah, is that it? So the, the things that are far more important in, in life, like your children, like your family, like your parents, like your health, and having the other bits are nice to have, but they're mm. not as important as the things that really matter. That's right. Mm. So currently with what you have, you, you have a lot already. You've achieved so much. So what else are you using to drive you? Myself. There's always something bigger and better. Again, another expression was, can I? And can I stands for constant and never-ending improvement. And that's in all areas of my life, my health, my relationships, my finances, my business. 
what can I do to improve? In 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 nature, you're either growing or you're dying. There's no standing still. So mm. we have to keep growing. I want to grow. There's so much for me to still learn and understand. I only know a fraction of what there is to learn and understand. And so I still want to grow. That's just part of nature. That's, you know, wanting to constantly improve who I am. You know, Emmanuel, I know a lot of people, but, you know, to have that level of achievement in covering all areas is not easy. Do you do you have other friends who are at that same level like you? Like they are good at relationship, they are good with money, they are good with their mindset, they are good with all everything health. Do you have friends like that? I have quite a few like that. Wow! There's birds of a feather flock together. So where do you meet them? Well, guess what? A lot of people in the gym are healthy. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, and so a, a lot of people in that circle, my my social circle, they're either in business or in property or in finance. So I wouldn't say lots of people because lots of people don't have that balance, but there's quite a lot more when you mix in different circles that understand the importance of relationships, of your health, of your business, of your finances. And it doesn't happen overnight. Mm. You've you got to bear in mind, I'm 61 now. I'm much older. I've had the benefit of many years of understanding going through different trials and tribulations to work out what's really important. So there's lots mm. of people at my age or thereabouts that have worked it out too. Mm. And but they would like they like to have had that knowledge 30 years ago. Mm. So that's the reason for giving the book and writing the book is that people have that information much earlier. They don't have to wait. So they get the benefit of that compound effect that I've been talking about in all areas of their life. Wow. Yeah, the secret to living is giving, isn't it? Yeah. Right. So you've got all these gangs you've got that work together. So you've got all these like-minded people working together, encouraging each other. So do you meet them often? Yeah. So um, you probably gathered uh, we, we have quite a, a busy social life. We like to do things that uh, energize. So we do a lot of festivals, a lot of dancing. We like to do things that don't include eating. Uh, we don't like, we don't like to sit so if we're going to eat we'll do something outside like a barbecue we don't want to sit in a restaurant just talking we do that occasionally but we like to th do things that are activity based we like to be outside we like, like to do things that involve our energy um so yeah th 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 those are the things that we we enjoy doing is just being out there wow okay so, so with uh, all this income stream you've got, so we're back into wealth a little bit before we end. So do you have other income streams, if you don't mind me asking? Just wanted to know and get a bit more ideas because it's good to, you know, get a bit of tips from other people. What what are you guys up to nowadays? Sure. Well, I have a few different pillars of income. So the, the first one is what people call uh, passive income which is not really passive it's my property portfolio mm. i then have the development side which is your lump sum cash i then have other investments that so over the years when i started i had in, uh, endowments and pensions i use my SaaS on a regular basis in terms of acquiring assets mm. i do money lending on the back of that mm. i also invest in other projects so i have an arm that i invest in other people's projects developments we also lend against, pressure met against precious metals or watches. 
uh, in that sort of regard. Um, and I do my consultancy side. So I have different streams of income. One I haven't mastered as yet, which I'm still trying to do, is internet to derive uh, income from the, the internet, whether it be through a mastermind program or social media. Still trying to work that one out. Still haven't figured that one quite as yet. Mm-hmm. But of course, another one is your books. And the other one is my books as well. Yeah, so the, the, the books... Uh, although they produce an income, they really, really are designed to help people get from where they are to where they want to be mm. um, with very simple steps. So both books are written like a 14-year-old can read it and understand it, especially financial books mm. uh, can be overcomplicated. So I've tried to, I've, I've, we've written it um, specifically so a 14 or 15-year-old could read it and understand it and implement it. Mm. Okay, wonderful. Do you uh, invest in crypto? I don't invest in crypto. Uh, and the reason why I don't invest in crypto, I don't understand it. Mm. And I don't invest in things that I don't understand. I don't invest in countries that don't speak the language. And that's like a different language to me right now. Mm. That doesn't mean that it isn't a good investment. It doesn't mean it's a bad investment. It just means mm. it's part of my profile mm. of my investment criteria. When you invest in something, you really need to know what you're investing in, not just because other people say it is. Uh, and crypto has huge volatility. That's right. Um, and you shouldn't invest in something that you don't, or that you can't spare if it goes wrong. Mm. Uh, but that doesn't mean to say that I wouldn't be investing something in crypto as a hedge. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, what I'm going to uh, ask you is, one last one, is what would be your final like a statement that you want my audience to remember from this interview like your most important advice so that my audience will remember this for good i'd probably say that the word impossible means i'm possible Mm. be the best version you can of yourself work hard every day in any area of your life that you want to achieve success and before you know it you'll achieve the success that you want Look forward, don't look behind. Don't compare yourself with others. Be happy and content where you are and you will live a very happy, enjoyable, fruitful, rich and wealthy life. Wow. Thank you so much, Emmanuel, for your you know, gems of wisdom and lots of information and you know, being honest with your sharing about what has happened to you in the past I really appreciate that. It's a privilege to have you, especially you are such a busy man and you're happy to spare your time to obviously get this recorded so that my audience can learn from you. And um, so thank you so much, Emmanuel. I'm sure I'll bump into you again in some of the meetings. Yeah. And always great to see you and always all the time I get to learn so many things from you. And to my audience, be happy, healthy and wealthy and follow and subscribe my podcast so that you can learn more things. God bless. Thank you, Emmanuel. Bye-bye. Bye.